0: If you're a product leader, then you probably have a few goals for yourself and your team, like having a big impact on the business, you know, whether that's sales or revenue or profits, ideally all three, of course. And perhaps you aspire to be a gifted, charismatic leader, somebody who people look up to, things like that. But what if the team isn't meeting the potential that you see for it or that you need it to meet? It's not having the impact you want and that you know it could have. Well, maybe you're noticing some things around you, like maybe the team doesn't get as much respect as it should, as a product team should, or maybe there's a lack of trust, or you're spending too much time in the weeds and doing tactical work, or it's like you're a feature factory. Maybe the hippos take priority, meaning the highest paid people's opinions take priority in terms of prioritizing features, deciding what should be built. And oftentimes you'll find the team morale is low in this case, there's often information getting lost, a whole other separate set of issues. Maybe people are frustrated, and generally, you're just not living up to potential. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 132 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. In this episode, how to make product management teams more impactful. Now, a couple of notes before we dive in. You can find show notes for this show at secretsofpm.com 132. I'll provide quite a few useful links on that page that you might want to refer to. Also, I have a free weekly product manager meetup on Friday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific time. If you are interested in attending, go to secretsofpm.com meetup to get on the notification list. I've just started this, but it's going great so far. We've varied the format, but so far we've done two mastermind types of meetings and what's called a lean coffee. Where the masterminds is where we focus on an issue that one of the attendees is facing and using a very powerful meeting format called a mastermind, get them some great advice and insights to move forward. One of these folks shared, it was a great meeting. Thanks everyone for ideas and energy. I feel more confident now. This person was facing a challenge and now they have some ideas about how to address it. And finally, if you'd like me to work with your team to increase its impact, drop me a line at nilsdavis.com. I'd love to discuss options for working together. So let's get into the episode. How do you increase your product team's impact? Well, this isn't about being a better manager per se, but it's about managing product management teams specifically. Product managers are not like others in some ways, maybe many important ways. And even if some of these ideas apply to other teams, they're specifically focused on products. So it's not like the things that make teams successful and the things that contribute to product success aren't known. They are known, but they aren't always applied or applied fully. And I've said it before to paraphrase Leo Tolstoy, all successful products are alike. Every failed product has failed in its own way, meaning that you must actually do a lot of things right to succeed. And if you do a few of those things wrong, you can end up with a failure. So of course, there's also always an element of chance and luck in everything in business there are some things you can do, and at least you should be doing the things that are known to contribute to good luck, like managing your team effectively, like making sure your team is doing product management effectively. So why is this interesting? Well, obviously, if you're a manager of a product team, your job is to help your team meet and exceed its potential. Because product managers work with other teams, they're unusual from a team management standpoint. PMs don't work together as a rule, We work with our dev teams or our squads or whatever terminology you want to use. And that's kind of unusual compared to a lot of other teams. So one thing that can be really valuable is actually bringing back some team cohesiveness in the product management team itself as a team. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. Managing product managers is not like managing many other types of professionals. Product managers are do-it-yourselfers. PMs are kind of unicorns. We all have special skills and talents that we brought And not only are product managers kind of rare within the company, we're typically 1% of the company or maybe a little more, maybe a little less compared to developers, which are 20%, salespeople maybe, which are 40%. We are unicorns, both in terms of numbers, but also in terms of the things that we bring to the organization. And product managers typically are what I call self-winding. We're kind of self-motivated. We take care of ourselves. We might not be that good at asking for help. And The reality is, as the manager, you're typically not there to train them or show them how to do the job. In fact, it's more than likely they know at least some of their domain better than you do, and it's also more than likely that they know at least some of their job better than you do. Now, that may not be true for everyone, but you're definitely going to have some product managers on your team for whom both of those things are true. Now, if you're an individual contributor, some of the things you might learn about in this podcast episode are things like, what are some good criteria for selecting a team to join? You might want to ask the leader, have they done some of the things that I mentioned as good practices for a product management leader to do? Now, product management leader tools also work for PMs who are actually leading dev teams often. That squad we work with thinks of us as a leader. They look to us for leadership, for decision-making, and for a lot of the things that a manager would provide, obviously they have their own manager, but you are often looked up to as a manager type. And so having better skills for that, that you might learn about in this episode, can be very useful. Now, often product managers are teams of one. In other words, you might be the only product manager, And you can use some of these ideas with yourself. In fact, some of the things I'm going to share are things that if you're the only product manager in an organization, you should be making sure you do. If the organization has more product managers, then these should be done as a team. But if you're an individual contributor and you're the only one, you should do them yourself. And of course, if your product is successful, even if you're an individual contributor now, you may find yourself with a team of your own down the road. And you will know some things to do to increase its impact when that time happens. So that's why managers should be interested in this and individual contributors should be interested in what I'm sharing as well. Here are six things that product management leaders can do to help their teams have more impact. Now, individual product managers may be pushing for these things, but it's much harder to build these changes bottom up, the ones I'm going to talk about. And it's much better if there's a leader supporting it from above. But The nice thing about the things I'm gonna share with you don't need to come from above the product organization per se. As the leader of the product managers, you need less support from above because many of these are really localized to the product management team itself. That is, they're kind of under your control. But your individual contributors probably can't make them happen without your help. Now, you can have your individual contributors be primary movers, but they will need your support, encouragement, and help as needed. So these are all techniques and approaches that are known to improve team and or product management impact. The first one is the value proposition. Now I've talked about this in a lot of episodes. From the standpoint of the product leader though, the key point about the value proposition is that you need to not let it be accidental. Don't let it be just randomly made up by sales or marketing. Don't let executives say whatever they want in the moment. The value proposition is a very important mental model That helps everybody be aligned on what the product does, who it does it for, and why it's a better solution for those folks. In fact, the template is who the ideal prospect is, meaning in particular for enterprise software type products, that segment is around a problem. There's some problem that's a group of people across multiple companies are suffering from that's causing them pain. They haven't been able to find a good solution, and your solution is the good solution. So you want to say within the value proposition, who those ideal prospects are, why they're ideal, meaning what the problem is like that they're suffering from and what their symptoms are. You want to articulate why your solution is their best alternative, given all the choices that they have for other solutions and for spreadsheets and for not doing anything or for building something themselves. And why your solution is the ideal solution for their problem. Now, a value prop that addresses all of this is a litmus test of the team and of your skills as product managers because lots of product management organizations don't really articulate this very well. So it's a very useful tool to have, and it will help everybody. Everybody benefits from a well-articulated value proposition. Marketing benefits, sales benefits, your product prioritization benefits, your executive team benefits everybody benefits. So that's the first thing, the value proposition. The second thing is a clear product strategy. Now, the first question when you come to the product strategy issue is, is there a good corporate strategy? And in many companies, there isn't always a good corporate strategy. And good means not only that it has goals, but that has guardrails and decision-making criteria. A good strategy doesn't just say what you want to achieve, but it says, here's where we think we've got to go to achieve it. Here's the things we think we're going to face and how we're going to get through those obstacles. This formulation of strategy is very similar to what Richard Rummelt talks about in his book, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, which I highly recommend. If you don't have a good corporate strategy already, then as the product team, you will need to infer it. And then once you've inferred it, you validate your inferences the way you infer it is you look at what actions the company is taking and you say, well, what is the strategy that seems to be guiding this? Even if there's no explicit strategy, there's often an implicit strategy and you can do some inference of this. It's not ideal, but it's a good idea to do before you start building the product strategy. You're going to have to validate those inferences once you make some inferences about the corporate strategy and then make sure your imputed corporate strategy defines those guardrails for making decisions that I talked about. You'll need those for your product strategy as well. And it's good to operationalize this strategy by writing it down and explaining it to your team, how it can be used for decision-making. Now this is again assuming that there's not already a well-defined corporate strategy. So now you can build a product strategy off either the explicit corporate strategy or the inferred corporate strategy. and the goals of the product strategy are really to talk about how the product will help the company achieve the goals of the corporate strategy. For example, it's good to know what parts of the corporate strategy aren't addressed by product because you don't probably have too much influence over that. So it's really good to know what part of the strategy is really not aligned with product per se. And then of course, the flip side of that, what parts of the corporate strategy depend on the product? What demands, does meeting the corporate strategy make on the product? For example, if the strategy is to grow market share by beating competitors more, what has to change in the product to enable that? If the strategy is to expand into new markets, what has to change in the product or the portfolio to enable that? You know, If the new market is Germany or Japan, you might very well have to make a German or Japanese version of the product. That's a very big change and you should know about that. And that's really driven off of a corporate strategy to expand into one of those markets. So that's point number two, have a product strategy based on the corporate strategy. Number three, and I'm going to be brief on this one because I just did another podcast episode about it. And that is to create what I call the MVPK, the minimum viable product knowledge for the product. So I've talked about this in multiple episodes, including 127, a repeatable sales process and why you don't have one. So I'm not gonna go into detail, but this is something where you as a product leader can make a gigantic difference by working with your team to create. What is the minimum viable product knowledge? It's all the basic knowledge that sales and marketing need to create marketing funnels that bring in the right prospects or that bring in the right leads. And for sales to move those leads either out of the funnel because they're not qualified, or move them along the funnel because they are qualified and eventually turn them into into customers. Now, of course, the first rec- thing I recommended, the value proposition, is a high-level gloss on the MVPK itself. So you're already partway there if you've done number one. Number four, tools. Now, I think tools are really important. And even though A lot of us product managers just use the tools that we inherited, like Microsoft Word and and the Microsoft Office tools and Jira and a wiki like Confluence, something like that. We really need to be thinking about those as product management tools in terms of the way we use them. And how do you do that? In terms of a minimum set of product management tools, and unfortunately, most of this isn't even done, even though This is the minimum, what I consider to be the minimum amount, is things like templates. What should a user story look like? What should a requirement look like? Or a feature spec, whatever the way it is that you describe a thing to be built, how should that look? What should be the format? What should be the contents of that thing? Maybe even the order, but more important than the order is really the rubric by which you judge whether one of these things is good or not. Now, you know, I have a rubric for feature specifications, which is another name for requirements, potentially. It's not exactly the same as stories, but they're related. And that is what I call the, the valuable template. And I'll put a link in the show notes to my podcast episode and my blog article about the valuable template. But essentially, it's a rubric for the things that the functional spec should include in order to make sure the dev team has the best possible chance of making something that's really valuable to the market and that we know why we're making it and that we're gonna be able to sell it and that we're gonna know how it's used and things like that. So templates are a really important thing. The second thing that goes under the category of tools is ways of working. How do you interact with other folks like how do you interact with the squad, how do you interact with other product management folks, things like that. So sort of the ways of working with each other, with the rest of the company, with the team. A third really important thing is to have well-known locations. This is particularly important if there's more than one product manager, because for example, if you're all out doing customer interviews at different times, and hopefully you are doing that, and you're taking your notes and you're bringing them back into the company, into the enterprise, well it's really good if All the product managers can access each other's notes. Well, how do you make sure that happens? You have to define where they should go. Maybe even like a directory structure for them. Maybe everybody takes their notes in Microsoft Word, or they take their notes in whatever. Where should they go into the enterprise data storage repository so that everybody can find them? Or maybe you even say, we're going to standardize on a particular type of application to create notes. Maybe that's confluence. Whatever it might be, there should be some kind of standards. And obviously, this is the type of thing that your team probably has a lot of opinions about. But if there's not an agreement, everybody's going to do something different. And so you have to come to an agreement. You have to create that well-known location. And as the team grows, as the company grows, it's likely that you will have to come up with new locations and new ways of managing this information over time as the team grows and as the amount of data grows and things like that. The other thing that I really recommend as part of the minimum is a lightweight process for continuous learning within the team. Things like a forum for PMs to share things that they just learned. I just tried this new thing. Let me tell you about how well it worked and let me show you how to do it. That kind of thing. I I watched one. I did one. Now I'm teaching one, things like that product management team retrospectives. That's another way that the team can do continuous learning. And this isn't talking about the product manager with their dev team. This is talking about the product management team itself. That's what I consider sort of a minimum set of tools that you would want to put together for your PM team. And essentially, it's just some ways of working in some locations and an approach to doing things. But in the ideal world, you're going to have that, plus you're going to have some product manager specific tools, like for example, product board or product field, or there's a bunch of different product management related tools. Some of them are good for some things. Some of them are good for other things. Full disclosure, I have a tiny bit of stock in product board because I was an advisor to them when they first started. So I'm always mention them. I do think it's a great tool. It does some things that I think are really valuable for product managers, but there are other choices as well. So the final thing in the ideal world is training. You want your team to get some training on how to do things, whether that's basic product management functions or more advanced things or how to work with people or maybe doing how to be more persuasive and influential. A lot of different things that the product team can benefit from getting training on and hopefully they can do continuous improvement of their skills and your team overall gets really more and more skilled over time. Let me talk a little bit more about tools. Even if the team doesn't think they need tools, well, they do. The thing about tools is that they lower the cognitive cost of figuring out what to do. If you have a template, this do a simple example. If you have a template for a bug report, then it means that when you find a bug in your software, you don't have to think about how to report it. You just know what you need to look for and you fill in those things, which means a couple things. One is you didn't use cognitive energy on trying to figure out what to say. Another thing is you made sure... T- that everything you needed to say, you said, because you had a template to fill it in. It also means that everybody knows what to look for in a bug report. So they know where to look for, what was the thing I did? What was the reproduction case? What were the expected results? What were the actual results? That's one of the things that tools can help you with. They lower the cognitive cost of figuring out what to do. Some of the other ideas that I shared do things like ensure that the work that's done by the product managers becomes a corporate asset. So, for example, all these interviews that you're now keeping the notes in a well-known location so that everybody can access them. Those interviews weren't really a corporate asset until they were organized in such a way that everybody had access to them. That also enables collaboration. So, for example, if somebody goes and interviews some customer, maybe I want to see their notes because I am interested in, that customer's perspectives as well. But maybe that person that did the interview also wants me to see it so that we can talk about what that person learned and see if there's maybe something that surfaces a a problem that we should start solving. Obviously, it enables knowledge sharing. That's kind of what I've just been talking about. And even the minimum set of tools that I described really provide a lot of value versus not doing anything. Let me say a little bit more about sort of in this tool section about collaboration within the team. Now, most product manager teams, as I mentioned, the product managers work separately, typically with their dev teams. They don't really do too much work with their product manager colleagues at all. One thing you can start doing is you can start building up some collaboration within the team itself. You can have a product manager team meetup. This could be weekly or biweekly, and you could use it for some specific things like masterminds. I mentioned the mastermind in the context of my weekly meetup. I think that the mastermind concept is actually from How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'm not positive. It's from one of those very early self-help books. But the idea of the mastermind is you got a group of people together, and this mastermind that's sort of above everyone floats up out of all their heads and becomes much smarter than any individual in the room. It's pretty amazing when you actually watch it happen. It does happen, and it's just incredible. Anyway, there's a specific mastermind process, and if you use that in some of your product management team meetups to address issues that folks are having, you're going to be amazed by the outcome. So that's a thing you can do in a product management team meetup. You can do other things like lean coffees. You can make this the forum for that continuous learning from one member to another, like that watch one, do one, teach one kind of thing. You can have members teach short workshops, you know, 10 to 15 minutes on a new thing they learned and got value from there's brainstorming and other ideation you can do premortems and parades those are techniques that you can learn more about in the fantastic book called decisive by Chip and Dan Heath I'll put a link to that book in the show notes as well premortems are a way to reduce the risk of failure basically they're a very powerful t- technique and parades is the opposite of the premortem very useful and powerful techniques the point is that getting your product management team to be more collaborative and more aware of what everyone else is doing is really great for the standpoint of them working collaboratively and being helpful to one another, but also it helps build psychological safety. And it also means that they learn from each other. If everybody's learning from each other, the team is going to get that much better, that much faster. So number five, and I started to mention this already, build psychological safety in your team in their relationship with you, in their relationship with the other folks on the team. And one of the reasons for this is, this is my observation anyway, is that product managers have a hard time asking for help. We are used to solving problems by ourselves. We're, again, we're unicorns. We're typically, a lot of times we're like the one person in our group that's anywhere nearby. (laughs) And so we have to figure stuff out ourselves. We're used to being our only allies as well. And we're used to, or at least expect And maybe this is because we also are, maybe we were kind of unusual in school. Maybe we expect to be ridiculed or punished for not knowing the right answer or showing weakness. Now, this is, that's a sign of a fixed mindset. And I think a lot of product managers have a growth mindset. But there's always that little niggling thing back there that says, oh, what if I'm wrong? It's especially bad when a product manager might not be doing something they know they should be doing, but they're stuck. And they're in a situation where they should be asking for help but they aren't willing to ask, and maybe they don't even actually know that they should be asking. The flip side is also true. Not only do product managers typically not want to ask for help, they're mostly not willing to take help either. Again, this is that I'm a loner, I'm I'm going to figure it out myself. Help has to be offered in a way that lets them kind of save face. Now, I'm sorry that this comes off as sounding like product managers are babies, But sometimes we all are. And I think we're all sensitive. We're all used to doing things ourselves. And so there's a little bit of management skill in getting product managers to to ask for help and to help themselves. So how do you help a product manager get unstuck? Well, I talked about this actually in episode 76 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast, where I talked about how product managers can build psychological safety in their teams. Now, in the context of that podcast, that was primarily about the dev teams, the squads that the product managers are working with. But it's also true if you're a leader of a product management team working with the product managers themselves. And finally, that was the end of tip number five. Tip number six, it's a bonus tip. And this is on working with individual team members. And this is just something that, that came to me out of reading a lot of stuff and some of my own experience. I came up with this sort of rubric for Good questions that a product leader can ask or a manager can ask in a product manager 101. And it's really focusing on the typical things that product managers are facing obstacles, wins, and fears, and doing a little bit of follow up. So the obstacles related questions are what's your biggest challenge with the project right now? How can I help you? Or wording to that effect, right? Whether maybe you don't talk about projects, maybe you talk about features or with the team or something like that. And really good question for managers to ask, are you getting any friction or pushback? And how can I help? So those are some questions that I think can help a product manager open up to you and make them feel like you're working for them, which is the ideal relationship with a manager. You want to ask about wins, or at least I think this is a good thing to ask about. Tell me about a win this week, or tell me about a team win this week, Everybody wants to celebrate wins. sometimes I think as product managers in that kind of limbo where we work with our dev team, but they're not really our team and we don't really work with the PM team. It's nice to be able to share things that went well. I think it's important to ask about fears. What do you know you need to do but you're resisting that I can help you with? I mentioned this one already. This is sort of a, a way to help a product manager admit to needing some help for something. What do you know you need to do but you're resisting that I can help with? And sometimes it's just a matter of talking it through. I know for me, a lot of times, if I talk through a problem, it only takes me a few minutes to get to a point where, oh, I know what I need to do next. And follow-up. Last week we talked about X as a big challenge and some ways to get through it. How did that go? Do we need to put more attention on that or is it handled at this point? That's kind of like the follow-up from a retrospective. And so that's a thing you can talk about with your team members as well. So your goal is to help this person. It's not really about you. The one-on-one is really meant to be mostly about the person, about the product manager. And it's about them becoming amazing, doing amazing things. And, of course, that will reflect on you if that happens, so that's always good. But it's not really about you. And then after you ask these questions, what do you do? Well, here's some ideas for how to carry on that conversation. One is, I mentioned this already, be a sounding board. Let the person describe the problem to you. A lot of times, a lot of us are people that think by talking, and as we talk out a problem, we start to come up with a solution ourselves. But at least you should be listening for a little while. Being a listener, a confidant, and giving emotional support to the degree that's appropriate within a business situation can be really, really important for people. You can help people with networking, and that's both inside the company and potentially even outside the company, if appropriate. Maybe somebody needs to learn something about a new topic, and you know somebody who knows something about that topic, and maybe you can connect them, for example. Obviously, as a manager, one of your big jobs is removing obstacles for your individual contributors. Likewise, you are also kind of responsible for a lot of politics wrangling. Now, product managers should be good at politics in general, Oftentimes there's politics that's kind of above the pay grade of the individual product manager, and that's a great area for the team manager to do some work in terms of getting through and around politics as well. And of course, you may have really good knowledge about product management or whatever the situation is, and so you can give advice. That's actually a great thing that as the leader of the team, you may be able to provide some very good advice in certain situations. Remembering that your team is super smart and super ambitious. They don't want help or think they need help. They don't necessarily take advice well. And they may use different modalities for learning and growing. You should really understand which modalities work for each person. I also recommend looking into Clifton Strengths, Understanding each team member's strengths and how best to use them can often be a really powerful tool as well. And I'll put some links in the show notes about Clifton Strengths and how to get that assessment. And also, a link to Lisa Cummings podcast. She's a great strengths consultant and trainer, and she has some really great podcast episodes about how to use knowledge of your subordinate strengths to help manage them and get them to be as effective as they possibly can. So there was six things you can do to be a more effective product management team leader and to get your team having a bigger impact. What were they again? Let's review the value prop, the clear product strategy, the creating the MVPK for the project, the minimum viable product knowledge, the making sure the team has tools and collaboration approaches that are going to be effective for getting the most out of the team and getting the most out of the types of research that the team does. Building psychological safety in the team, very powerful and important, and up to the team leader a lot of times. And then how to work with individual team members in this simple rubric for great questions for a product manager one-on-one. So you might be saying to yourself, well, isn't all of this obvious? And it does seem like a lot of the advice the that I just shared should be obvious, doesn't it? And nothing in my list is really unusual except for the MVPK, which I didn't even really go into. But the fact is that often these things are not done. You can just look around and see that many, PM leaders are not doing the things that I've recommended here. And as I said, they're not brain surgery. But if they were doing some of these things, they would be helping their team have more impact. Where did all these ideas come from? Well, some from my own experience, but really lots of reading and research about how to work with teams, how to innovate, how to create psychological safety, all those things. My own observations of other teams as well. and. To some degree, a sort of an understanding of product managers, being one myself and having worked with lots of them, how they tick, and their role in the company, thinking about that. Things like how many of us there are in a company. Again, it's a fairly small number. So this is a lot of things to take in, sort of narrow it down to three things you can start doing today. You know, I always like to include that at the end of the show. And the following three items you can get started on this week and start having results by next week, although, of course... Your results over time are what's important, so don't just do them once. The first one is the value proposition. Making sure that you've articulated who the product is for, the ideal prospect, and this really should be in terms of the problem that that person is suffering from, what it does in terms of the prospect will resonate, such as using their language and why it's a better choice for your ideal prospect than their other alternatives, which might be competitors or no choice or build it themselves. Second, start to think about putting some collaboration structure into team meetings or create a separate product management team collaboration meeting. There's a few ideas. Have a team member share a new skill or technique or mental model. Try that watch one, do one, teach one. And if you do this every week for 10 minutes, your team will be amazing. In a year, they'll have learned a bunch of new stuff. Uh, also, collaboration, things like brainstorming or other ideation, thinking about the pre-mortems, Or here's a great thing that the team can do work on the value proposition and put it through its paces, test it out, create a value proposition and see if it really works. Have somebody throw some rocks at it and see if it stands up, challenge it. So those are some things that are just to get started with. The first few of these will probably be messy, but they'll probably still be fun. And I think over time you'll find the team really starts to grow with some of these activities and, I think you can start using some of these one-on-one questions right away. You don't need to do a lot of prep for them. A bunch of ideas for how to be more effective as a product management team leader. I hope they're useful if you're a leader or even if you're an individual contributor, as I mentioned. They're all things we should be thinking about. They're things that we can also often use with our dev teams or squads, even if we're not managing teams of product managers. And so I recommend you think about all these things, hopefully put some of them into practice. You've been listening to episode 132 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please like, subscribe and review the podcast. Recommend it to your friends. That's also a great thing to do. I wanna remind you about the weekly meetup. Go to secretsofpm.com meetup to get on the notification list. And to find that link and lots of other links, go to secretsofpm.com 132 where you can find the show notes and subscribe, and all the things. This has been Nels Davis. Until next week, bye-bye.